Yeah, 2-1 on his jersey, playing like he's number one. Best big in the league, and it's no debate. Booze from the haters, point him to the exit. I guess every franchise needs his process. Every franchise needs its own process. Coming down the lane, yeah, watch your head, yeah. We post a every game, yeah, get your Kodak. Once he gets you under the basket, you better just pray. Hit you with the jab, step, knock down, lock from Ben. Get out the way, and one, let the fans know it. Yeah, homie, let the fans know it. Watch the trailer, the three is going in your eye. If you mess, you better get back. Cause if them bees, there won't be a putback. Keep all that trash out of the paint. Cause them bees will put it back in your face. He's a cold blooded killer, and he take no prisoners. Yeah, dump off from TJ. Call it the Feed to Embiid. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Feed to Embiid. I am your host, Austin Carell, as always. Along with, uh, I have a celebrity upon us now. We have Brock Landis, whose engagement on Twitter and on YouTube has been off the wall of late. Still, he found a way to make some time for his for his co-host on the pod, and uh, we're doing a little bit of a quick one. Um, you know, we're, we're right here today, Brock. How are you? It's been a crazy week for you. It's been a crazy week, but I'm chilling, man. I'm solid. I don't feel the pressure. Uh, beautiful Sunday morning. I've got some Wu-Tang in my ear. Uh, RZA, Raekwon, Ghostface, a couple of goats. So uh, it's I'm always solid. great vibes. It's always great vibes to start my Sunday on the right foot. And listen, I got a podcast in me already. I went live with DJ Eastwood, so you can check that out. NBA Krell, my guy, AK, the one who I started with. We're doing this one live right now. I'm happy to do it with you. I appreciate you, Austin. And later, I'll be with Dylan. So if you want to hang out with me again, Dylan of the Painted Lines, Dylan Davis, I'll be live with him and Gint at around three o'clock. I talk the same thing I've talked on all three podcasts. Hoops. That's that's what I'm an addict for. I'm a hoops junkie, Austin. So with no further ado, let's talk about it. That's right. So um, the, the the Sixers come back from All Star break. They don't have um, that. No, it's, it's only, there's only one goat here. His name is Brock. Um, so Oh, God bless those. Come yeah. on, girl. Come on, girl. You got to give yourself some credit. You've been killing it on the B2. I, I see you've got some, some, some good Twitter engagement. You're doing your thing. Uh, so, girl, give yourself a pat on the back. You, you're goaded, too. I'm trying. I'm trying. Um, so, the, they come back. They don't have Joel. They don't have Ben for that first game against the Bulls. Um, as a game, you kind of think, like, okay, they'll just cough this one up, and then the reinforcements will be back. Now they – they kept the Bulls at arm's length the entire night and then ultimately blew them out in the end. That was, I think, one of the few games this year where you just – it's hard to find anything to complain about. You know why? Because there's a real basketball coach in charge of what's I going knew, on. I knew that was coming. <laughs> I knew it was coming because I've been passionate about this for over a year. The difference between Brett Brown and Doc Rivers – Aside from the X's and O's, because I break that down every video. It's the two-man game, breaking the game down, putting guys in the best places to succeed, catering to the roster on your talent, optimizing your roster. All of that aside, the difference between Brett Brown and Doc Rivers is that, like you said, this is probably one the Sixers cough up. Why? Because Brett Brown looks at Chicago on the schedule. They've got no Embiid and no Simmons. And he says, okay, we're shorthanded. This could be a trap game. If they lose, it's the first of a back-to-back on the road. Whatever. 
So how do the Sixers come out against Chicago last year in this situation? They'd shoot 38 threes. They'd shoot 42 threes, 10 more than they shoot on a normal game with Embiid and Simmons, for example. They'd do that and probably lose to Chicago. Now that's hypothetical, but I'm just speaking from, from personal anecdotes based on what I've seen. Doc Rivers and his staff see Chicago. They know Chicago is nothing inside. They surrendered a 50-point Joel Embiid performance, and they said, we're going to stick to our guys. We're going to stick to our system. We're going to break them down and abuse them inside of the paint. And what happened? The Sixers put up 78 points in the paint. That's over 60% of their production, Austin. And more importantly, remember that Embiid 50-point game? That wasn't a season high for the Sixers for points in the paint. The game the other night with Dwight Howard and Tony Bradley was a season high for points in the paint. Does that mean they're better than Embiid? Absolutely not. That just means the coaching staff knew who was on the schedule and they said, we're not going to play down to our opponent. We're going to take what we have and run our system to bully the shit out of them. And they did. Chicago surrendered a season high in points in the paint while Philly scored their season high points in the paint. So that's the difference right there between Doc and Brett Brown, X's and O's aside. But if you want to talk X's and O's, I'm the right guy to talk to. I'll show you that too. Go to my YouTube channel. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Now, if you want the names of the plays behind the X's and O's, that I don't know. That's that where I'll come in. That's yeah, right. You're 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 the. Yeah. I, I, listen, listen, I I don't have the charisma that you have when you do it, but I, I know how to diagram a player too on my clipboard. I I, I, I I I can do it a little bit. Um, Sam said, "Go time, Ben needs to carry us these next ten to twelve games." I believe um, they're set up to play eight games if Joel does miss two weeks, but we'll get into that uh, later. God bless Doe says, I added the S for a reason. Krell, appreciate you. See? I appreciate you. I appreciate you. you. Krell, have some confidence. Pat yourself on the back. No, listen, listen, listen. I'm, com- I'm very confident myself. Of course. I just try to, I just try to be humble and, and, and boost up my uh, boost up uh, my, my, my people, you know. Um, don't talk about me as much as I talked about, you know, you and your successes recently. But one thing that I was really excited about and happy about that the last game from like a, a, a neutral observer perspective, where it was kind of like a finally kind of moment. Um, Tobias starts out 0-5, missing some open looks, shots that he usually makes, starts out cold, and, and you think, okay, he's gonna sort of pucker up and 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 have and have a, a tough night. Now he responds after the fifth miss, goes in and goes, he says basically, you're either gonna foul me or I'm getting or, or I'm getting a Kodak moment out of this. Um, he got fouled. He didn't get the dunk up because he, he doesn't have the springiness that other athletes would would have necessarily. But he got to the line. He got to the line four times in that first quarter. Um, he averages, I think, three or so free throw attempts per game, I think it is. Um, so, you know, he, he was aggressive early on in that game. And he was able to sort of see the ball go in the basket. And I think that kind of got him in his in his flow. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think – that was a really important moment for him because he made, he made like eight of his next 10 shots finished with 24 points on the night. Um, he probably could have had, you know, more, more assists, more, pe- more, more rebounds, whatever. He also didn't have, didn't have to play much second half because they, they were walloping them. Um, yeah, but, I don't think he had to play in the fourth at all. I don't, I don't even think he saw the fourth. Right. And the more of those games you can have for, you know, Simmons and Tobias. And then when Embiid comes back him as well, the better off you're going to be. Because that means you can play your guys more games than having to rest them for the, pre- for the playoffs, but you also don't have to play them too much because you're you're you're, wa- you're whacking teams. Um, now, 
we do have to talk about Tony Bradley because he was tremendous. Uh, he was absolutely fantastic in, in that, in the Chicago game and really in the Washington game as well. Um, I thought like the thing that stood out to me was that you didn't see him trying to do too much. He wasn't trying to dribble. He wasn't trying to like, you know, take outside shots. He wasn't trying to mimic Embiid at all. He was just trying to be the best version of Tony Bradley. I thought that was really effective. He was, he had he exhibited some really good footwork around the block. He got Wendell Carter biting on a fake once and then put a little hooky over him um, and, and banked it in. He he would just you know it was it was it was legitimate screens and then quick dives to the rim um, for finishes. And I thought that he just played out of his mind. He was fantastic. I think going forward, um, I, I I don't at the moment anticipate them going out and getting a big man. Because I think Tony Bradley has has reinvigorated a little bit, and they they kind of trust him. I think Dwight's gonna stay at the second unit because of how good he is. I mean, Dwight's been unbelievable. He's the, the really, you know, over the last two, three, three weeks, he's been incredible. But I mean, he's just playing. He's playing Nerf basketball right now. He's he's they're throwing up these lobs. He just the defense mistimes the jump, and he comes from out of nowhere and just bangs it on on, on the rim and just breaks the rim. I mean. He 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 is being he's playing to a T right now perfectly, and his it's translating on the defensive side of the ball as well. He's 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 timing his blocks well. The goal tens aren't really there anymore. Um, he's a presence on both on both offensive and defensive glass. I can't tell you how important it's been for him to be a presence on that offensive glass. He's been getting a ton of offensive rebounds lately. Here's the big thing. These guys are letting the game come to them. They're not forcing anything. They're taking the hand they were dealt and letting the game come to them naturally. And that's why this system is so effective, in my opinion, because you've got a bunch of geniuses in charge of what's going on on the floor, and they're not trying to overcomplicate things. They're not trying to do too much. They're looking at their roster and looking at what the roster can do, and they're catering to that. They're saying, all right, here's what's up. We've got a great ball handler. We've got a great screener and roller. We're going to run the two-man game. They're not looking at that and saying, all right, we're going to have this dude go chuck a three from the corner, and the other guy will just cut back door or, or waste their talents on the court. Jonathan, what's up, my brother? I appreciate you tapping in earlier and in this one as well. Stay solid. I've got more coming. Uh, you're, 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 you're a good supporter of my side. I appreciate you and anybody showing love. But back to what I'm saying. These guys are letting the game come to them naturally. You alluded to some great points about Dwight. His presence on both ends of the floor is crucial, but more importantly, his presence in the locker room, in my opinion, is what's really crucial. He's keeping these guys tight. Even on a game against Chicago, you've got Dwight Howard and probably Danny Green, a coaching staff too, looking at Ben, 24 years old, without Embiid, maybe Tobias, but Tobias is, is one of those prominent voices in the locker room. But they're saying, let's not play down. These are championship caliber players that have won championships before on teams that ha have had this mentality. So, Dwight's keeping guys teed up in the locker room, on the floor. On the floor, incredible ball player. I mean, you know what Dwight's going to give you. He's a little bit older now, now, so he's he's a shell of himself, but that's still huge. And for the vet minimum, unbeatable. I mean, among rotation players, top three in total rebounds, top ten in total blocks. He anchors you defensively. He fights on the glass, and he's one of the strongest. I mean, he could be up there as the strongest player in the NBA. I mean, the way this dude pulls some rebounds down, I'm just left speechless. So Dwight has been magnificent. And I really like that Doc Rivers kept him in that backup role, in that role off of the second unit. And, and, and here's the reason why. If you're a ball player, right, you're Dwight Howard, you get 15, night, uh, 15 a night, you generally know what type of defenders you're going to be playing against, what guys you're running with, Shake Milton, Tyrese Maxey, maybe Furkan. You know your role. If you took Dwight out of that role 
and made him play 25 minutes with a unit he doesn't really play with, and he has to get his buckets in a different way and craft against defenders differently, that just throws the rhythm off. So Doc maintains continuity. He keeps him coming off the bench. That's how you keep Dwight happy. That's how you keep the entire team cohesive as one unit. So that was huge. And also Tony Bradley, man, him and Dwight in that first game against Chicago of the back-to-back, they combined for 32 points, 17 rebounds, and five blocks. That's how you make up for Embiid, who's at around 30 points, 11 rebounds, and two blocks a game. Now, the reason I think Philly might go out and grab a center, whether it be in the buyout market or in the trade deadline, the trade market, is because Tony Bradley was great against Chicago. And like I said, the Sixers, a season-high 78 points in the paint. But when you play the Lakers, when you play Utah, when you play Milwaukee, when you play Denver, they're locking it down in the paint. They're not Chicago. They're contending teams for a championship. Tony Bradley isn't going off for 14, 18 a night against these teams, not missing one shot. So he's letting the game come to him. He was used as a screener. He's rolling. He's hitting his spots when he has the opportunity. But I think Philadelphia might go with a more impactful offensive center to maybe start in the absence of Embiid for a couple of weeks and still bring Dwight off the bench, maybe incorporate Tony Bradley. But there are some options out there. You never know what's going to happen with Kevin Love. You never know what's going to happen with Andre Drummond. DeMarcus Cousins is still available. So uh, even LaMarcus Aldridge, too, has become available recently. You never know what Philly's going to do, and I don't think they'll be content just keeping with, keep with, uh, keep what they've got right now. So you transitioned well into um, Nasty Nizzle 610's comment. Austin Brock, salute, fellas. Does it make sense to now bring in a guy like Boogie, LMA, or Drummond? Um I think Drummond is going to command more money than they have. And I think teams, there'll be other opportunities for, with maybe more attractive teams. Um, so I don't think he's going to be an option with Boogie. I could see that potentially being a thing. Maybe. Um, I know you love it. I think I, I, I have, I, I mean, I, an agent told me that, that he thinks he's going to go to Boston, but uh, we'll see. Um, LaMarcus Aldridge, I would almost – you could argue, and you wouldn't be insane to argue. I don't think it would be hot takey to argue that Tony Bradley gives you more at this point than LaMarcus Aldridge does. I'm being serious. Dog, the Spurs, the Spurs are parting ways with LaMarcus Aldridge because he literally detracts from them being a playoff team. He does. It's true. Crow. They're worse. They're worse with him on the Crow. court than they are with him off the court. Crow. Tony Bradley is the third center on a roster for a reason. He's he's only played five games for a reason. Lamarcus Aldridge is a mid-range specialist. He's a post specialist. He can shoot the three ball a little bit. Tony Bradley is a role player. Remember, we talked about role players last week. Tony Bradley is a role player. So is Demarcus Aldridge the stage is Demarcus Aldridge is better than Tony Bradley. He's a better center, and that's disrespectful to compare the two because Demarcus Aldridge is in a different conversation than Tony Bradley. Well, now he's, he's getting a little older, and the health might be a concern. But to put Lamarcus and Tony Bradley in the same conversation is a little disrespectful because at his best, Tony Bradley is going to give you 14. His career high is 15 points. At the bare minimum, Lamarcus Aldridge is giving you that on a nightly basis. So. The fit's just not working in San Antonio. So let's let's, let's do let's do this, Brock. Let me ask you this. So so Lamarcus Aldridge right now. Well, I'm not even going to ask you. So I'm just going to tell you this. Right now, he's averaging 13.7 points, 
four and a half rebounds. Exactly. So, Tony Bradley's best is what LaMarcus Aldridge gives you on okay. a basis. Now, here's the problem, now. What's the problem? LaMarcus Aldridge is a power forward. Okay. And he can't really transition to the – it's it's hard for me to believe that he can transition to the center spot at this point in his career. He's 30 what? 30, he's, he's 36, I think. Yeah, but uh, the, the, the Sixers play positionless ball. There, there really is no center. There's a paint protector, and then everything around him is positionless. Tobias isn't really a three. Ben's not really a point. They're just all positionless because they're that good. Listen, I think I, – I understand you're talking about LaMarcus Aldridge is probably a Hall of Famer, but at this point in his career, like the Spurs are a seven or eight seed in, in, in the West right now. They're literally basically like saying, like, we're going to trade you because you hurt us more than you help us on the court. Well, They're literally saying he's. I don't, I don't think it's because he hurts them, but they've got Jakob Pertl, who's their center, and that's who they want to rock with. They're younger. They're a faster team. They've got Dejounte Murray. They've got all these young cats out in San Antonio, and Lamarcus just doesn't fit their timeline. So right now he's making twenty five million dollars. They're trying to go out and get a free agent. They might want to add someone at the buyout market. They don't want to pay Lamarcus twenty five a season. Now the thing about Philadelphia is, if you told me you don't want Lamarcus because of the money, then I would have agreed, but. He would be an upgrade over Tony Bradley, nine, uh, 10 out of 10 days of the week, in my opinion. The thing about LaMarcus and the money is that the Sixers have an $8.2 million trade exception. So that definitely helps. But in order to get LaMarcus Aldridge, because he's at 25 mil a season, the player that would have to anchor that trade, the centerpiece of that trade, I think would have to be Danny Green, because Green's at $15 million. So you got to move Danny Green and then some to get LaMarcus Aldridge. And I don't think that's worth it. Now, if the Sixers could guarantee at the trade, the buyout deadline, they could guarantee they're going to get a Wayne Ellington or they're okay. going to get a sniper from three. If they can guarantee they're getting a three-point specialist, then it might be okay to part ways with Danny Green and get LaMarcus. So right now he can maybe play as a starter, and then you get him off the bench, him and Shake Milton, that pick and roll would be so lethal. It would be deadly. So maybe if you're like, yeah, we can guarantee we're getting three-point marksmans, then you do it. You could trade for LaMarcus, but – I just don't think there's enough security in that. I don't think the, the the Sixers can guarantee they're getting dead-eye shooters. So in my opinion, you don't trade Danny Green to get a player that's going to anchor your second unit or be a pick-and-roll specialist with your second unit. You'd have to upgrade Danny Green and get a better three-point shooter. So I don't think you should burn Danny Green's contract and, and, and waste that asset if you are going to trade him for LaMarcus Aldridge. You'd have to upgrade in terms of three-point shooting if you're trading Danny Green, in my opinion. So – uh, LaMarcus just doesn't make sense to Philly based on the money with that. But if he gets bought out, absolutely. I, I don't see why he wouldn't make a push for LaMarcus. Okay, last point I'm going to add on that. So LaMarcus Aldridge this season per 36, 19 per 30, points. Krill. 19 points. I don't care what the per 36 is because that's not a real thing. Per 36, is a, it, it's not a real thing. It's Probably. not a real thing. You can't tell me I look at box score stats and I'm a box score casual and then throw per 36 out. It's not even a real thing. It's simulating what his numbers would be per 36 minutes of play. He's never going to play 36 minutes a game. And then you can't compare Tony Bradley's because Tony Bradley plays 12 minutes a game. He's not going to play 36 either. So the per 36 don't mean anything. From a basketball perspective, I'm talking to you man to man right now, Krell. From a basketball perspective, LaMarcus Aldridge is the clear choice and upgrade over Tony Bradley any day of the week. And that's not being disrespectful. LaMarcus has been getting buckets since 2006, 2007. He's there you go. Man. There you go. Since 2006. Bro, and you, you're Tony Bradley is the third center on a roster for a reason. If the Sixers were to trade Tony Bradley tomorrow, they couldn't get more than a second-round pick. There's a reason why teams are going to give up assets for LaMarcus Aldridge. 
because he can help a championship team. He, he, he doesn't fit the Spurs timeline, but we're come on, bro, please, Tony Bradley. Too much time on this. Um, I, I just, I, I, I think Tony Bradley for for the for the money is not a bad choice with uh, with, even if Lamarcus Aldridge is available. But um, anyway, uh, we're gonna get into some trade talk in a minute or after. So, so, so you know, really bad loss for the Bulls. Obviously, they had they had they're fully healthy. Sixers are down to two best players, and they wallop them in in Chicago. Before we go to the Washington game, Brock, uh, I think Sixers fans need a drink. Why don't you tell them what they can do? Yeah, well, I hope you're not drinking at 12.44 in the afternoon, but there's a game early tonight, 6.30. You might want a beer at dinner time, and if you do, you got to use the King Cobra. So what is the King Cobra? It's a shotgunning tool that increases your shotgunning time at parties, in the crib, wherever. You're drinking beer beer, and, and feel like you want to shotgun one. Uh, so check my boys out at the King Cobra. The King Cobra is a shotgunning tool. That makes the perfect shotgunning hole in under a second. So you punch the beer can with the tab puller, the end of the King Cobra, however you want to use it, and then you shotgun the beer just like that so you can get it all in your system uh, right away. It, it, it takes under a second. It's a tab puller, vent puncher, and fits all on a keychain. If you want more information about the King Cobra, you got to check them out on Instagram at the King Cobra Co. That's the King Cobra Co. And Cobra is spelled the K. You know that. For a 10% discount on all products, enter the code TRUSTTHECOBRA10, all caps, one word, pick yours up today. Austin Krill, King Cobra, keep, keeping us fresh over here, keeping us fresh yeah. supplied over here, keeping so us fresh have, with the alcohol. So then we have the Friday game. It's the second night of a doubleheader on the road in D.C., um, and they never trailed in that game. Um, they, they had basically the control of that game throughout Um and of course, Tobias you know, hit, hits Embiid rolling into the rim for a, for for a dunk. Joel comes down on one on one leg, and you see it buckle inward. And you know it, it doesn't look good. He's on the ground writhing in pain. Of course, uh, you know the, the whole city's uh, you know hearts sink into their stomachs. Um, and you know we're all everyone's sort of watching the tunnel. Or like watching on Twitter for like Pompeii to tweet out, oh, he's returning to the court, he's good to go, whatever. And it never comes. It never comes. And then you you, you see the tweet from Woj, he's getting an MRI. So you think the worst, right? Now, I gotta tell you, when I first saw it, I might I think I thought it was ACL more because everybody else was thinking it was ACL. And I guess I've always had this conception that like he's this big guy, big body he's a little too good to be true for a Philadelphia athlete. It, I kind of just bought me like, this is like, this is just like a, this is going to happen at some point. So I thought, I thought he was done for the year. Um, but you know, like, 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 like the, it wasn't like the knee buckled inward. Like usually with an ACL, a guy is like lunging or attacking and his knee kind of buckles inward, kind of like towards the ground a little bit. Like the knee kind of like caves in and that's how, you know, but he was walking off under his own power. I might add, I'm not a doctor, but I think it's a good sign when the knee is not like wobbling, like it is in a lot of cases when guys are walking, um, w- w- walking that off. There, the, the inst- there's no structural damage there. There's, there's the knee looks stable, so it's a bone bruise. They say, of course, everyone breathes a sigh, breathes a sigh of relief. He'll miss two to three weeks. What was what, what were your thirst, your first thoughts when when he goes down? 
You said everyone was waiting for the Keith Pompey tweet that he was healthy to return back to the court. I was waiting for Keith Pompey to say he was ducking the Mo Wagner matchup. He was afraid of Mo Wagner. Ah, uh, here we go. Um, now with, with with Joel Embiid's injury, it's, it's it's gruesome and it's something you hate to see. I mean, he looked horrible on the ground. He was down bad and and he was obviously in a ton of pain, which is sickening because that's the guy. That's we go to war. The guy we go to war for, and he represents the city and the fans. It's unfortunate, and you hate to see someone hurting like that. Uh, but the reality is he's a big dude. I mean, my body is different than Joel Embiid's body. So when I'm I'm flying around on the court, the likelihood of me getting hurt is a lot lower than the likelihood of Embiid getting hurt because he's just so big and, and, and guys that size aren't supposed to be agile and moving the way Embiid is. So when he went down, I was sick to my stomach. And you're kind of right. In the back of your mind, you're like, well, maybe this was inevitable given his history, given his size. It might be unavoidable. But I counted my blessings, and, and I'm so grateful that Embiid's healthy because, listen, from a basketball perspective, that alters the entire season. That probably doesn't alter Embiid's career because he's still young and he'll get into shape and no problem. He's in his prime. We're just hitting it. But it alters the entire season. It alters the DNA of your team. It alters the spirit of your team. It alters the way you tack teams a little bit. From a basketball perspective, it would be the worst thing in the world. The Sixers wouldn't get derailed, but – they'd be significantly at a loss with, with without Embiid. From a human perspective, it's just gut-wrenching. Yeah. Like, like, it's terrible to see anybody in that type of pain, especially, like I said, a guy that you go to war for and a guy that represents the city. It's a pleasure to watch Joel Embiid play basketball. So my only message, other than the fact that I'm grateful he's okay, is that if you're watching basketball right now, if you have the pleasure, the privilege of getting to watch basketball now, just appreciate these guys while they're here. And that's applicable for everyone, not just Embiid. Appreciate Embiid. Appreciate getting to watch his game and enjoy it. Appreciate Ben. Appreciate Jason Tatum. Appreciate Nikola Jokic. At the end of the day, we love having these MVP conversations and picking who's better and between two players, who's going to have a bet. We love doing that because that's sports and, and, and those debates keep sports going. But at the end of the day, you got to appreciate everyone. This is a sport. It's entertainment. And we get to watch the best guys in the world do it for free in most cases. So I really think you just got to appreciate everyone. If there's anything this Embiid injury taught you, it's that you got to appreciate what you have while it's in front of you. Yeah. Can I, uh, can I tell you, I, I'm not a big Nikola Jokic guy. I'm just not, um, I don't know. I, I just, I, I just, I don't know. It's something about him. I, it just, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, maybe, listen, it, it, maybe, it, it, because, maybe because like I always envision like, centers being so dominant as scorers and he's a dominant scorer right now he's averaging like 27 or whatever it is on like 57 40 whatever um but i i don't know he just like it isn't my flavor of center i Jokic is and he's a, he's Jokic, a, defies, Jokic defies everything on the basketball court that i've ever seen i i'm, I'm in love with nikola Jokic. i mean pause obviously but Nikola Jokic. You don't got to say pause. It's okay to love him. I know, but I don't know. I don't want people misconstruing that. No. I'm miscon- oh, my God. He right. would say the same. Jokic would say the same. Jokic, Jokic got fine. He got fine. Um, but Jokic, to me, is just a pleasure to watch. I mean, this dude has the post game on lock. Like, his turnaround, leg kick, fade, Jay, it's, it's one of a kind. I've never seen anything like it. And at his height, like – 
the jump shot, hitting shots with hands in his face, like he's just way too skilled for his height as a shooter, as a scorer, as a passer, completely different story. Story. I mean, my apologies. He lost weight now. He's moving fast. Like he's moving quick for no reason this year. But a couple years before when he was still heavy Jokic, he was still passing like magic, which is just unbelievable to me for, for the center position. So Jokic, I mean, you don't get to watch him much because you're on the East Coast. That's a shame, but – He's I watch a, a lot of the games. I, no, I do. No, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying you specifically. I'm just saying, like, we're East Coast, so people might not get to see the West Coast games as much. But uh, if, if, if you can watch Jokic, for anybody listening or watching, you got to do it because he he just – he's an anomaly. He defies everything on the court. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I was, I was talking to, like so – my dad's a doctor. And I was talking to a couple, a couple other people who are doctors as well. Um, not like this, this isn't the story I wrote yesterday, but, um, Friday night. And they're like, they're like, they're like, yeah, I don't think that's ACL. I don't know why everyone thinks that's ACL. Um, and so I, you know, I guess, I guess when you, whenever you see a, a guy who plays basketball, have a knee, anything like that, especially a guy with like an injury history, you automatically assume, oh, it's, it's ACL. Cause that's just like, that's just sort of like, that's the league. That's what the league has become. It's always ACLs, um, or, you know, Achilles or whatever like that. But I think the lesson to be learned is obviously it was, you know, it was a little bit of like this. He made, he makes contact with Garrison Matthews. He loses control, whatever. I, I would, I would just like to see him come down on two legs more than he comes down on one leg. Ugh, I'll be right back. My dog is trying to drag the blanket out of the room so he can hump it. Why, why you got to interfere with him? He's, he's trying to get down. Why are you trying to ruin you his form? For a second. I'll be right back. All right, I'll hold it down in the live stream. Who's 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 chilling with me right now? Is anybody in here? I can't even see how many people are watching. Who's chilling with me? Drop something in the chat. Um, while I'm here, I figured I'll let everybody know I'm dropping a Ben Simmons video within the next week. I don't really have a timeline for a specific date. It should be Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, anytime around then. But it's comps. Film comps. Scotty Pippen, Magic, Rondo's in there, LeBron's in there. And it's really a life-changing view, in my opinion. This is the best piece I've ever created. And I'm not even like close to 50% done with it. And yet I have like six minutes of film right now, just eye-opening stuff. So uh, for anybody that's watching, just please tune in uh, next week. You can check for that. It should be out by the weekend. It's a Ben Simmons evolution video. You're not gonna that's, some, that's something you got to put behind a paywall right there. Yeah, I, I mean, I really should, but my people are so solid with me. Like they always show love and support me. Uh, they deserve it. So I'm going to bless my people. There we go. There we go. So, I I, I am back. Pre- pre- prevent. I am. I am back. I have preventing. Uh, I have prevented the. I guess, conception, of my dog with the blanket. So that was good. Um, yeah, you're ruining ruining their fun. Yeah, yeah. Mo dog. Proxy oh, get Austin's Sixers credential. Austin yeah, jumps. No, he shouldn't. I'm thinking way bigger than a Sixers credential, right? So I'll let. I'll let my guys, Justin and Austin, eat. They're doing their thing on the beat. Listen, the beat's not an easy job. So what Austin, what what, what Justin do, it's not easy because you got to think, like, you're on a 24-hour cycle. There really is no off night because you miss a game. It's like you're behind everybody. There's other people getting likes. There's other people getting retweets, tweeting, writing about the same things that you saw. But if you don't beat them, if you don't get that out in time before the deadline when the Sixers play again or something new rolls out, you're old news in this 24-hour cycle. So – not only do you have to keep that in mind, but you got to create content that other people aren't doing. You got to separate yourself. So the fact that Austin and, and Justin are on the beat doing their own thing with Delaware and the Sixers creating content, 
I give him a lot of credit. But me personally, I'm thinking way bigger than a credential. I'm trying to have Ben Simmons sit down with me or something like that, Joel Embiid, and talk hoops with them where I don't even have to worry about a credential. It's just straight man-to-man. I'm not covering the team. I'm not writing about the team. I'm just talking hoops, and I get to talk to a hooper. So maybe in a couple years you'll see you'll see me doing something like that. So are you saying that the credential is a small thing? <laughs> it's not a small thing. It's just a different path. You're trying to work with, with, with the Sixers in the NBA. You're trying to work in the league and represent players, break news, things like that. I'm trying I'm, to speak. I'm just messing with you, bro. <laughs> I know. I know. Of course, I'm, I'm I'm trying to speak and give voice to people like me. Just just people that appreciate yeah. everyone around the sport and, and and hoop addicts. I'm not trying to take yeah. myself too serious, you know. I am. Well, first of all, Mo Dog, I have no plan of jumping ship anytime soon. This is this is a treat that I get to do this on, on a daily basis. So I, I I will be around for quite a while until the Lord zaps me of my uh, of, of my abilities. Um, God willing, that's in like 50, 60 years. Other than with my dieting habits, I'll probably be like 40 when I'm when I'm when I conk out. But what the hell? <laughs> Let me say that. I don't say that. I mean, what, are you, what are you eating? Clean it yeah. up. Get yeah, some, get some in you. Listen, today was today was McDonald's hash browns and bacon. There's nothing wrong with eating that though. If I could, I'd eat it. Listen, I, I mean you probably don't listen, but I, I am athlete as a podcast. It's like Chad Johnson. Brandon Marshall, all these dudes, all, all great athletes and, and legends off the field. Uh, but Ocho Cinco was saying, fuck science. Like, I don't care about science. Eat McDonald's seven days a week. And he had a huge argument with Brandon Marshall that he should eat McDonald's seven days a week. And people in the NFL, they should be eating McDonald's because he was saying your body doesn't build these calluses unless you eat like fast food. So if you're just putting chicken and greens in your body, you're going to get hurt. Whereas if you're putting junk and put McDonald's in your body, you're better suited. And, and Chad Johnson said he never really had an injury. They're all saying, bro, it's genetics. There's other factors. But Ocho Cinco was hell-bent on eat McDonald's seven days a week. You'll be straight. So, Crow, listen, you might have to get on that Ocho Cinco diet. I might I might be ahead of the game. I might be, <laughs> you all- might be ahead of the game. That's funny. That's <laughs> 10 years old. Modog says, uh, well, well, Brock is trying to get a good time on Austin. I know. I no, know. I'm no, I'm not. I'm not Congrats. trying to big-time anybody, bro. Bro, we're just kidding with you. Congrats. I, I don't want people to think that, but like this thing above me right here, this is a ceiling. I don't think I have that. This room I'm in, this is a box. I'm not in that. I'm I'm trying to be so far out of the box. It's not even funny. So I just try to stay two steps ahead and, and, and people, I mean, it's organic. Like I'm not forcing any of it. People are just naturally liking it. So I'm, I'm just going to keep doing my thing. Stay out yeah. of the way, yo. I'm not, everybody eats. I'm not trying to take away from anybody. I, I show love and I think everybody should eat. So. So anyway, anyway, back to more, back to, back to the content. Yeah, that's <laughs> um, important. yeah. So I reached out to a couple of doctors yesterday. I wrote a piece um, on paidlines.com, obviously. Um, we're basically, this, this is not like, a, this is not like, like some like horrific long-term injury. I mean, this, you know, really what happens is it's the end of the tibia and I think it's, like the, I don't want to say it's a fibula. I think, but basically, a bone bruise occurs when, you know, the the in the knee, especially when the, you know, when like the 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 leg below the knee and the leg above the knee collide hard, right? So like when Joel comes in there, hyperextends that knee, those two bones are, are hitting hard, and that's creating a bruise, um, in the bone. Now the way it was termed to me is, a bone bruise is kind of like a fracture, but without actually being a fracture. And I think what that means is 
like it, it has a similar healing process, has a similar rehab process, a similar strengthening process, a, a, a similar, you know, like, um, like recovery okay. without, without actually being a bone breaking is, is, is the way that I interpret that. Um, but basically it's, you know, two to three weeks, he should be, he should be okay. But really the, the more lasting side effect is going to be the pain and that, how, I mean, I was reading your piece, right. And you said it could potentially be up to eight weeks. Sixty-eight weeks. Just, yep. Just but, he might be able to play before then, but the injury can nag for at least eight weeks. So, so the way the way the, the way he made it sound, the doctor made it sound to me was the injury itself might be healed. Okay. Like, like the MRI might not show anything after a number of weeks, but he could still be feeling pain there. Okay. Which which and depending on how tolerable it is, maybe he can play through it, maybe he can't, whatever. But that's really the timeline you're looking at. But as you might think, for somebody you know, or anybody, but especially for somebody for Joe of Joel's size staying off that leg and, 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 you know, t- keeping in shape the best you can, but not putting weight on, you know, that leg is going to be a huge, huge component to all this. But once it's healed and he's back on the court, it shouldn't be, a, shouldn't be a thing that, 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 that hinders him or lingers around for a while. Once it's healed, as it was turned to me, it is healed. Um, they'll probably load manage him a couple games here and there. Once he comes back, just because, um, you know, just just because they you know they want to protect him and be careful with him but the way it sounds i don't know how close he was to having a, a more significant injury like an acl or whatever or a lcl or mc whatever whatever the mcl the whole alphabet cl um meniscus whatever but the way it was termed to me uh the way the way it's been described to me um he avoid you know he, he it could have been much 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 worse um than what it actually is so you live with that you live with the bruising there hopefully the nets drop a game or two they almost dropped one last night to the pistons uh hopefully the bucks lose a game or two they drop they almost dropped one last night as well um forget who they played but they almost dropped one last night um so you you know you 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 hope you can maintain that one seed but even if you can't realistically they're going to be at worst the three seed Miami's, I think, I, I, you would think, you think they'd be the three seed. Um, Miami's going to be like, I think they're back, they're back like five and a half, six games now. So I, I think the Sixers can survive this, um, but they're really going to need Ben to step up. We all know that. Um, and and I, I'm curious what the lineup looks like tonight. My guess is it's probably Tony, Ben, obviously, Shake, or not Shake, um, Danny, Seth, Tobias. But, um, you know, it's it, it's it's going to be tough. They have a tough stretch. They have they go to L.A. They have the Lakers in L.A. They have the Clippers in L.A. I think this is going to be two seasons in a row where the Clippers and Lakers are able to avoid Joel Embiid in their buildings. Um, That's good. That's good though, because listen, they don't have to see Embiid in the regular season, the back end of the season. It doesn't matter. Come playoff time, you better be ready, because Embiid will be rested. He'll be healthy. And you're going to have to combat that. The thing about Ben Simmons, in my opinion, is that he always rises to the occasion, and right now is the perfect time for him to do so. And that's why he's going to ball out. I mean, Ben Simmons doesn't have to run an offense through Joel Embiid. It's not a hindrance to Ben Simmons' game, and he coexists with Embiid. They're so good together. But there's not an offense that runs through Embiid with him not on the floor. So people have to make up for that. How do the Sixers make up for that? More shots for Sabayas, so maybe he'll pour in eight more points a night. And more shots for Ben. There's no Joel Embiid in the paint. 
So much like the Utah game, the first game without Embiid, Ben can just rim run. He can push pace. He can attack mismatches. He's got spacing to just bully opponents. And even without Embiid, the Sixers are a very tough team to match up with because you've got to take care of a center, a 6'10 point forward who no guard in the league can defend, and a 6'8 Tobias. So I have no doubt in my mind that Ben Simmons is going to step up. Right now is the perfect time. He might get two, three, four more buckets a night, which takes that 16 a game to potentially 24 a game. And also it takes the load off of the backup centers that have to make up for Embiid scoring. But Ben's ready for this. This isn't a Brett Brown coach team. Okay. This isn't Brett Brown and Ben's ear preparing him for games with TJ McConnell and Dario Sharge coming off of the bench. This well, that's, is Danny not, Green. that's not Brett's fault either. Let's be it's, fair. It's, it's not, but this is Danny Green. This is Seth Curry. This is Tobias. This is Dwight Howard. These are all veteran players with real basketball experience on real basketball teams. This is a coach that knows how to get through to his players and use them to their best ability. This isn't a guy that's not going to hold people accountable and give them pats on the back and tell them, eh, it's okay. We were shorthanded. We know we had no MB. No, I was going to say, we don't have any Embiid. It's all right. Let's get busy. Ben, take it to their chest. Go get a bucket. Ben, you got to go bully this mismatch. Tobias, you missed five shots. Go get some buckets. That's what he did. Eight for 10 after starting 0 for 5 against Chicago. 21 straight points in two quarters. Didn't have to play the fourth. There's real ball players on this team. And there's a coaching staff that's going to hold them accountable and bring the best out of them. They're, they're going to draw the best out of this group. So I'm not worried at all. I think the road trip is definitely tough because you got to play the Lakers. You got to play the Clippers. You got to play Golden State, which is obviously never fun because Steph Curry's got the ratchet better than anyone ever. And you play Milwaukee twice, I believe. You play Brooklyn. So there are games where Philly's probably going to lose, but it's not the end of the world. And my thing to Sixers fans is if they don't win the championship this year, despite what Daryl Morey said, that's championship or bust. If they don't win the chip this year, it's not the end of the world. The book is just being written. Ben Simmons is 24 in his fourth season and beat is 26 years old. Think about all the goats you watched growing up, Austin. Think about them. Remember young Mello? He was a killer in Denver. I never got – I didn't get into the game until, like, it was, like, middle career. Not, not middle career, but like, like, later, mellow, 10 years. Remember, Dwayne Wade. Remember Dwayne Wade? Young Dwayne Wade, the flash with I Miami. Know. Young Braun. You remember Young Braun. Cleveland Braun. Young Braun was a video game. Young Braun. Chris Paul. Chris Paul was – he was crazy. He was going crazy in New Orleans. Anthony Davis. Like, it takes time. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Ben Simmons has double the numbers he has in their first 248 games because Giannis, it's a time for him to develop. These things take time. The expectations are high because Philly spent two first-round picks, top three for that matter, on Simmons and Embiid. But this stuff takes time. These guys don't just roll out of bed and win chips. It didn't happen for Jordan that way. It didn't happen for LeBron James that way, not for KD that way. So don't hold Ben and Joe to the same standard. It takes time. Appreciate the journey. Appreciate the process. And put your trust in the guys in charge of it because there's a really good group of guys in charge of things right now. Also, do you think Tony Bradley is more valuable at his stage in his career than <laughs> Steph Curry? <laughs> yeah, I think he is. I think you make a great point there. I think because of uh, Tony Bradley's age and his ability to be a third center on a roster, uh, that that probably makes him more valuable than – his per 36 probably makes him more valuable than Steph Curry. I agree. Curry. I, agree. <laughs> I agree with you. Um, we do have to get to our other sponsor. Let me talk to you about Thrive Fantasy. Um Come hashtag prop up on Thrive Fantasy this season. Thrive Fantasy 
is a daily fantasy sports app for player props. They have eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about the top-tier athletes in a respective sport. NFL just ended the draft coming soon, but we'll have football real soon. The summer months go by. Football starts in August, and everyone's going to get back in the swing of that. For NFL to choose 10 of the top 20 player prop options to build your lineups, it's NBA. MLB's right around the corner in a couple of weeks. PGA, even eSports, choose five out of the top 10 uh, player prop options to build your lineup. Each prop has a fantasy point total associated with the over or under based on the likelihood of occurrence. The more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. That's how it is in life. Uh, rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. If it's PGA, Thrive uh, has new contests for each day of the tournament, Thursdays only, Friday only, whatever. So don't sweat your golfers ruining your weekend by not making the cut. Thrive has awarded um, over 2,000 or no, over 2.2 million in prizes since launching in 2018 and it has $50,000 guaranteed in prizes for NFL week and thousands more for the NBA. Use promo code Simmons for three. That's Simmons. The word for F O R three and number three Simmons for three. When you sign up today and you will receive an instant deposit match up to $50 on your first deposit of $20 or more. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store by visiting their website, www.thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop up, or no, sorry, sign up and hashtag prop up there you go. today. Hey, listen, Rams, you're late, bro. You're late. We already got the ad roll for the King Cobra. Go cop yourself one today. We already got the ad roll. There we go. That's right. Appreciate you joining. That's right. Good, Abe Link. That's right. Um, now, um, so they'll be out without MB for a period of time. Let's get into the trade talks because I know that you, I know that everyone is eager for a trade. Um, I'll say this: I do have some intel on um, on Kyle Lowry. I, I think a lot of what Toronto is doing is a smokescreen. I, I think it is. I think he's going to – it wouldn't shock me if he was one of the moves that's available um, come deadline. I tweeted yesterday that uh, I have some conversations with league, with league executives that it, it's kind of been you know termed to me that um, they're not expecting too much activity at the deadline because teams are a little bit like, I guess, hesitant based on how – inconsistent and weird this season's been. Um, but some, I, I think Kyle Lowry is something that could be moved. Um, now the Sixers, according to Kyle Newbeck are more, are kind of laying down the, 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 the blueprints for them to make some upgrades around the role players, which I think makes sense in a lot of respects. But um, I, I think that implies PJ Tucker I think that implies Nemanja Bialitsia. <laughs> you like him. <laughs> um, and George Hill, another name there. Um, I think George Hill will be perfect for this for the, for, the, for this team um, as 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 like a, another ball handler to go along with that second unit. Um, right over the last two games, the bench unit's averaging like fifty something plus per game. Um, like in the mid fifties per game, they were like one of the five worst benches in the league for, you know, before the all-star break, they averaged only 32 points a game. They've outshot that outscored their own average by 23 roughly since, you know, the all-star breaks. So you hope they can build on that some more and maybe they can upgrade in other areas, but 
to have another another ball handler there would be huge for the bench. Um, I think Wayne Ellington is a possibility. I really do. So there's a lot of names. And the thing that I think people need to understand is that there's a system in place and it revolves around Embiid, Simmons, and Tobias. They're not breaking those three up and they're not changing anything offensively. So what you need to do is subtly improve the role players or subtly improve the bench. So when they get doubled or things don't work for those three, they can get bailed out by their teammates. You can fill those, those holes in the system with a handful of names. So when you talk about a Wayne Ellington or a George Hill or a Patty Mills, you can think of think of them as essentially three of the same players. While they all come with different traits and they're not the same player, they're going to fill the same role. And that role is just an upgrade of three-point shooting, maybe a facilitator that can shoot the rock off of the bench and still space the floor. I hear the P.J. Tucker rumors. I'm not sure what their asking price is. It was pretty bonkers. Uh, as, as far as I know, last week, I think they said that Ty Hero or Duncan Robinson would have to be involved for a potential P.J. Tucker trade, uh, which just would never happen if that's even true. I don't know how the money's going to work if Houston releases him. If they buy him out, he wants a $25 million contract. I think Nemanja Bielitz is the upgrade there. I think he's better than P.J. Tucker. He's bigger. He's 6'10", that can bully one-on-one mismatches, so he fits their bully ball system better. He's got real deep range. He's a better three-point shooter than P.J. Tucker. And defensively, while he's more serviceable than he is an actual contributor, I just think he fits their system a lot better. He's a really good passer for 6'10". He can hit guys in the dunker spot. So you can really form like five or six different real impactful combinations with Bielitz on the floor. He can share it with Simmons and Embiid. He can share it with Dwight and Shake. A lot of different combinations. I think Bielitsa is the priority if you're going for a cheap, big upgrade at the stretch four, stretch five spot. Bielitsa is that guy, in my opinion, $7 million. In terms of the two guard, the, the, the shooter, listen, George Hill, Patty Mills, and Wayne Ellington would all be phenomenal. They can all shoot in the move, hand-in-the-face guys. You can run them around screens. They can facilitate a little bit, not so much Wayne Ellington. He's strictly a catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. That's where over 60% of his threes come from. But all three of them would fill that role seamlessly, and I'd be happy with any of the three of them. Wayne Ellington probably the most because that <laughs> Wayne Ellington, he's nasty. Wayne Ellington is nasty. But there's a lot of upgrades. Like People aren't thinking about certain names. Tony Snell might be a guy that you're not thinking of or you don't like. But listen, 56% from three-point range this year, he's made over 73s on at least 40% shooting in each of the past four seasons. That's something that like only 35 players in the league can say. That's that's not a high percentage of players. So he's, he's a stretch four that could come off the bench and do one thing, hit three-point shots. That's what he gets paid to do. And he's trained to kill out there. He's 6'7", so he can do it with guys in his grill. Uh, so there's Tony Snell, there's Terrence Ross and Evan Fournier in Orlando. If Orlando's active sellers at the deadline, then maybe Philly can nab one of them and the money would work with either a Danny Green contract or the exception. But there's a lot of names out there. Philly is not going to be content. They're going to go out and do things. They're going to be proactive. And I'd anticipate they add at least two players. But they're going to keep their core intact and upgrade in the margins. That's what you as a fan, if you're watching – have to understand, Billy's not going to go out and get Bradley Beal or Zach Levine because that would cost too much of, of, of their core. They'd have to separate everything, and they've got the championship formula right there. They're not going to do it. So they're going to make subtle upgrades, and there's a lot of names of really impactful ballplayers. So if you see Woj tweets in two days that the Sixers traded for Nemanja Bielitsa, you shouldn't think, oh, who? why'd they get him? He's not going to help. Well, 
they're going to get good players and they're going to get players that really help this system out, which is more important than just getting a guy that has the allure that has a sexy name. You know, I got to tell you, I think with, with Joel going out, I, uh, for a period of time, I think it increases the likelihood tremendously that they're going to go for like a, uh, a stretch, a stretch four to try to mimic the, you know, what they did in 2017 and 18 when Joel broke his face on Mark Fultz's shoulder. Um, that sounds like a joke when you say it, but like it literally happened. Everything um, from 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 that period of time sounds like a joke. Yeah, um, I think Nemanja might be the guy. Um, I think Tucker makes those small ball lineups so much more palatable. But if it, if so, like if he gets bought out, it's going to be between the Sixers and Nets, I think. Um, and so you know, I, um, you know, I. I think it's going to be a money war there. And I think I would guess PJ probably chooses Brooklyn because of the connections that are already there. Um, I'll tell you who I don't think. You You, you don't, you you don't need Tony Snell. Why? I can't. Tell me why. He just, he's just not like a mark of efficiency. He's not that he's, he's not. Sure he is. He's got a 70% true shooting percentage. It's like 10% above league yeah, average. You just told me I can't use stats that aren't real. And then you throw true shooting. At Austin, him. a per 36 is a hypothetical statistic. It's a simulation. A true shooting percentage is the sum of his two point, three point and free throw attempts. It's a real number. It's just all of his field goal makes free throw attempts and threes added together is twos, threes and free throws added together. It's 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 a cumulative percentage. It's a real thing, and if you talk about marks of efficiency, the dudes had an above average, above league average true shooting since 2016. I just told you 70 plus threes on 40 percent shooting in the past four years. How how, how more efficient can you get? You can't shoot any better than 40 percent over the course of a season. I also would like him to be more consistent too. He misses. They're, 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 listen, you is 40 percent a consistent three point shooter? Yes, for, for yeah, but what yeah, but where's the volume? What's the, what's his volume at? He's made more than seventy three pointers every season. That's only something one hundred thirty players do all together. So like he's shooting a high enough volume. Wait, 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 wait. That's less than a three per game, huh? That's less than a three per game. He's made seventy plus. That's just the bare minimum. He's had two seasons with over one hundred three pointers made in the past four. So he's shoot. And Tony Snell's not coming here to be a starter to take eight threes a game. He's a backup stretch four. So in 12 minutes, if he takes four three-pointers a game and makes two of them, that's all you want. That's what you're going to get out of any stretch four. No no addition at the buyout market other than a Wayne Ellington or a George Hill is coming here to take more than five threes a game. You just don't like Tony Snell because of the meme where, where it's had all zero, zero point zero zero. Oh, do you like him because of the meme? Obviously well, not. I don't, I don't generalize a player based on one game. I look at what his body of work is over the course of a season. Besides the point, he is also playing for a team that has playoff aspirations. In who, Atlanta? Yeah. Well, he's making $12 million a year, and, I mean, they featured him as a starter, but Atlanta's not winning the championship this year, so they could have aspirations to make the playoffs, but they don't have any aspirations to compete. So if Philly goes, hey, here's a second-round pick in Terrence Ferguson, or, hey, here's, I don't that's know, Mike Scott and that's fine. fine. Then go ahead and get Tony Snell. It does, you know, I, I, I'm, I just think that there are better options out there, and there, there are guys that can suit you better for what you need. 
I think right now it's, but- that's, that's, that's fine. My thing is that like it's a system with holes and they're going to fill those holes, but there's a lot of players they can do it with. So if you get a notification with a player where you're like, I, I don't really, this player's trash. You got to think bigger picture. Daryl Morey is a basketball genius. The guys in charge of this are basketball geniuses. They're making a trade strategically. They're not just getting a guy to get a guy. If they get someone, it's for a reason. So when you get the notification in two, three days a week, whatever, and you don't recognize the player, you think they're trash, you got to know it's a bigger picture. And that move was made for a reason. You know, you mentioned a name that I think is going to be an underrated name, and that's Evan Fournier. I think – now, Orlando – and San Antonio, two teams that notoriously don't do big midseason trade. I think it was been I, I, I think it's been like five years since the Spurs last did a big midseason trade or any midseason trade at all. Why one, right? It would have been what? would have been the Kawhi one, or was that not midseason? That was no, summer. That was summer. That was um, summer. But Fortnite is expiring, it's like 17 million per year. Um they're already paying Vooch, Fultz, Aaron Jonathan Gordon. Isaac. Yeah, Jonathan Isaac, Aaron Gordon. They're going to want to get out that money. Um, but I, 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 I think he would be a, a tremendous, tremendous, tremendous fit. Can you know moves well off ball. Really, really, really good shooter. Um, can sort of fit the two or three seamlessly. Um, I. I I, that that would be my number one candidate. If- it's crazy. It's crazy because in the offseason, when I said the Sixers should trade for Fournier, you told me you can't do anything in the playoffs. He's trashing the playoffs. He can't shoot in the I playoffs. I don't think I said that. You said that. Um, I'm 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 only messing with you. Fournier would be Fournier would be a beautiful ad. He's on an expiring 18 million dollar contract. Terrence Ross too, very similarly in Orlando, a situation where they could be sellers. He's making 37 million dollars, I think, altogether over the course of three years. So the money might be tricky for both Fournier and Terrence Ross for Philadelphia, but if they can match it and make it work, definitely go get them. I see in the comments, people want to know about Kyle Lowry. And I want to tie back to your point about Lowry uh, and chatting with the league executives and everything. Listen, Toronto's an eight, nine seed right now. They're better than that. So they could ultimately possess like a four seed, a five, six, whatever, but they've got two multi-year contract guards on their roster that have both been more productive than Lowry this season and Norm Powell and Fred Van Bleet. So if you've got two guys on multi-year contracts that play the same position as Lowry and Lowry's on an expiring one-year $30 million contract, why wouldn't you just get what you can get, right? Like if he's not going to re-sign in Toronto, if he already sold his house and he probably isn't going to re-sign in Toronto, he's going to go elsewhere and find a new home for two, three years after this season. Why wouldn't you just get what you can get for Lowry? It's not like Toronto – listen, when Toronto has Kawhi Leonard, sure, they have a likelihood of winning the championship. But a Kawhi Leonard-less Raptors with Pascal Siakam, Kyle Lowry, Norm Powell, Van Vliet, they're a really good ball team, but I just don't think they have enough to win a championship. So having said all of that, I don't know why Toronto wouldn't be open to trading Lowry. Now, there are some sources that say Lowry's probably not getting moved and they're going to keep the veteran point guard. But if Philadelphia could get Lowry – if they trade Danny Green and use the remaining um, $8.2 million exception, it'd be huge. Kyle Lowry would be the best addition Philly could get. He, he'd be the best addition Philly he could get. Because, 
the pick and roll with Embiid would be nasty. Embiid just has to roll to a mid-range. Kyle Lowry's either getting a bucket or hitting Joel Embiid. That's probably a score for Philly seven or eight times out of ten. You could use Ben Simmons as a screener with Kyle Lowry. And Kyle Lowry just manipulates the two-man game and gets Ben cutting to the basket. And all Kyle Lowry's assisted 240-plus buckets this season. Most of them have gone to Chris Boucher. The highest total of assists from Kyle Lowry this season have gone to Chris Boucher. Why? Because of that two-man game, just manipulating the defender and hitting your big. Kyle Lowry, Ben Simmons, and Bede, maybe even Tobias, would have an unguardable two-man game. There's that. Lowry is a dog on defense. He's got that Philly-bred mentality, so he'll he'll take it and put it put the ball on the floor and take it into anybody's chest. And as a shooter, I mean, he's just as good as anybody. I think he has 15 or 16 games with multi-three-point, at least three-plus three, three three-pointers, whatever. He has like five or six less games than Danny Green and Seth Curry do with three-plus three-pointers, and that's combined. So Lowry alone is, is just as productive from three as Seth Curry and Danny Green. It would be the perfect dad. It, it would literally be a match made in heaven. He's from Philly. He has ties here. He's been playing professionally for over a decade, I think 14 years, and he has that experience in the, in the championship and the playoffs. So Kyle Lowry would be the perfect dad. I don't know why Toronto wouldn't trade him, but if Philly does – make something for him, it, it would be significant. Like, they'd probably have to part ways with the young asset, like either Maxi or Isaiah, Joe, Paul, Reed, whatever. They're going to have to part ways with one of them. Yeah, but you it's also like you're getting, like, literally the greatest player in another franchise history. Like, Kyle Lowry is the greatest Raptor ever. So, you know, I, I think – that's a pretty valuable trade asset. And he's also, even though he's on, even though he's getting older, he's also like still averaging 16, seven on like 40% shooting from three. So that's a, it's a, you take that when you can get it. He's a game changer for sure. Absolutely. And I think if you look at untouchables, Ben Joe and Tobias aren't going anywhere. Seth Curry, I don't think is getting traded when it comes to floor spacing. One of the best in the business. Uh, he does have to start. The Sixers do have to get more from him from three-point range. Uh, he's been a little hesitant and timid, but they're not trading Curry, in my opinion. Shake Milton's not going anywhere. They like him anchoring that second unit. Dwight isn't going anywhere. So that's, what, seven players. Seven players that the Sixers, in my opinion, are going to keep. So that leaves Danny Green. That leaves Tyrese Maxey, Isaiah Joe, Tony Bradley, those guys. If they do trade Danny Green, because I'm not so sure. I'm like 50-50. I'm not so sure they want to trade Danny Green. If they do... It would be for a three-point shooting upgrade, which is fine. But Danny Green's been good in his role. He's also been He's, their best three-point shooter this year. <laughs> exactly. So if they trade for him, it's going to be for a serious three. If they trade him, it's a serious three-point upgrade. But he's making he, – he's technically their biggest asset right now because, like I said, there's seven players they're not trading, and Danny Green has the fourth-highest contract on the Sixers. So he makes money work with another player. He's their biggest asset right now. So – if they do trade anybody, it'll either be Danny Green or Tyrese Maxey, the centerpiece of trade, which is both really unfortunate because Danny Green's been super productive in his role this year, and I think Tyrese Maxey has an incredibly high ceiling. I think Tyrese Maxey's going to be given fits for a long, long time in the NBA. Um, but when you talk about calculated risk and the championship window, it's open right now, and, and Daryl Morey is cognizant of that. So if he has to make the right move, he will. My biggest thing to say for anybody watching is that you need to put your trust in the guys in charge because these guys know what they're doing. They get paid professionally to do it. So trust the guys in charge. 
Listen, Danny Green's a very solid NBA player, and he has been for a very long time. He knows how to win games. He His shot is as sort of come and gone with age, but he's a very good player. I think his help side defense is, is better than you realize it is. Brock, we do have to go. You have you, you have other celebrity appearances today. I actually had to I had to call your 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 agent, your booking yeah. agent, yeah. And, uh, and and get this spot opened up so we could have our, our weekly show. Um, Brock, where can they find you? On Twitter at Landis Brock. This is my handle on Twitter right here on YouTube. It's reverse Brock Landis. You can look me up. We're at 1.5K. We're growing, so you'll be able to find me on YouTube. And listen, make sure if you've ever watched any of my videos, make sure it's the Ben Simmons piece coming up. I have a breakdown out tomorrow and everything like that. But the Ben Simmons piece will be up within a week. And I can't emphasize enough. If you watch basketball, if you like the Sixers, if you like me, whatever, watch the video. It's going to change your mind about everything. Stay solid. That's what I got. That's all I got. Stay solid, baby. Also, also, before we let you go, I do want to shout out your thumbnail maker. I think his name is Mayo. Mayo Mio. I think it's Mio. Yeah. I, I that, dude, Mio. that dude makes some sick artwork. Yo, he, he's killing it's, it. It's a girl dude, but whoever it is, they make some sick artwork. Killing the game. Absolutely killing the game. Hooking right. me up. I've got people sending me beats, uh, giving me content creation ideas. I've got a lot of people showing love and, and, and helping me out in my corner. So I'm, I'm just going to take this thing as far as I can. Yeah. And if you support me, I'm, I'm going to keep paying it forward. Show love to my people. Sure. And if you guys need any, if our viewers need any kind of artwork done, uh, Maya, Mia, whoever you are, you hit them up because they do a tremendous job. Um, you can find me on Twitter at NBA Krell right sure. here. Um, I cover the Sixers every day. I'm on the beat. I'm also writing and watching film every day. I'm always posting new stuff. Um, so if you want to keep up with the latest Sixers information, latest news, if you missed the games and you need a recap, I'm always there with my observations from every game. As always, everybody, we appreciate you tuning in. Be sure to Apple users rate or subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Pods. SoundCloud users, just subscribe, and we're always posting it there. Find us on YouTube as well at Brock Landis. For him, for me, or for us, it's the Painted Lines YouTube. Uh, follow us on Twitter at at the feed to Embiid as well. As always, we appreciate you. We love you for tuning in. Take care, everybody. Have a great Sunday.